behind the shades. There's a lot that goes behind the scenes, right? Uh, I think my purpose and my mission right now, if you were to ask me like a year ago or a couple years ago, or even like a couple months ago, um, I would have said you're crazy, right? I never knew that, you know, growing up, I thought I was going to be in the NFL, right? That's every, everyone who loves, every kid who loves sports, that's their dream, right? Not saying that that dream can't become a reality. It's just that for some people, it just doesn't work out that way. So, you know, I'm grateful to be in the field that I'm in and the position that I'm in because, you know, growing up wasn't the easiest for me. Um, you know, drug abuse, neglect. Um, and this, I've tried therapy. Well, when I was a little kid, I tried therapy and I continued to try therapy. Part of the reason I got into the position I'm in now and I'm a personal trainer and in the field I'm in now is because that was almost a better form of therapy than, you know, the professionals that I was dealing with, right? Um, so, you know, growing up for me, I grew up really obese. I developed a lot of, you know, poor, un, you know, negative, unhealthy habits. Um, football kind of changed those, right? I played football up until college. Um, really, once I stopped playing football, I continued to work out. I continued to stay healthy because that was the only thing I knew how to do. That was the only thing. That was my identity at the time. So, you know, being so young and kind of losing that main source of identity growing up, which was football for me when I came back from college, I had to find this lane that I really fell in love with, but that was also changing a lot of people's lives outside of mine. Um, I can't tell you how many times I've met people from all walks of life. Uh, you know, it's funny, you know, working at different gyms, you just, you know, you get to meet a lot of people. Um, and it's funny how like that gym atmosphere can almost be like a family community. Just hearing you talk about that, right? It gave me the opportunity to ask about like, in my mind, I have about like five, six questions. So my first question, now that you, t you told me that, who did you play, how was football? Like, who did you play with? And like, how was that experience? Because not a lot of people can even make it um, as far as maybe you made it in football. So how was that? It was life-changing. You know, I started, I was actually, you know, funny story. I was kind of forced to sign up um, in a football when I was, a, you know, when I was in a bad situation and I was into another situation, uh, you know, I ended up being adopted. You know, the story behind that was, you know, I was in the car with my new adopted family, which was my aunt and uncle at the time, with my two little cousins. Um, and they were just asking me like, hey, what kind of sports do you like? Uh, and I never, I never played sports, right? So growing up, the only thing I remember was my uncle was actually a huge, and I grew up, you know, 20 minutes north of Seattle. So, but my uncle was a huge New England Patriots fan when they were really, really good. Um, and I remember every Sunday he would watch the games. So I, that was the only sport I really knew. So I said football and you know, it's crazy. We were driving down the road, um, not even probably a block later, we stop at this red light, right? And to the right, there's the big sign, hard to miss. And it says, you know, open registration, you know, Little League Community Youth Football. So my parents were like, all right, we're gonna sign you up. I was like, oh, what am I getting myself into right now? <laughs> um, <laughs> So, but it was definitely, it wasn't what I expected it at all. I thought, you know, I've been in many sports. I dabbled in, you know, I dabbled in basketball. I dabbled in soccer. I even dabbled in golf in a little bit. But football was something about it was just, you know, the people I met. I played in a lot of different teams in the state of Washington from Little League to middle school to high school. And when I went to Montana to play for a little bit in college, even there, the, the atmosphere of just complete family. It's like, even from day one, if you don't know anybody in that locker room, 20 minutes later, you know everyone's name, what their interests are, what they're like. You just know the atmosphere and the vibe. Um, you know, it wasn't easy starting off, especially from like a physicality standpoint. You know, I was 10 years old. 
I didn't know really what I was doing, but just the love for the game developed so much. That's where my love for fitness kind of stemmed from. But, you know, the relationships I had, the relationships the coaches have with you and the players have with coaches uh, and also, you know, the lives that I, you know, I saw so many people, especially who I went to high school with, who were from struggling families and who were from struggling backgrounds, who football kind of saved their lives just like it did to me. Uh, was just truly incredible. So I knew when I came back and I knew I didn't have football anymore and I came back, I had to get into something that was just like that. You mentioned how it saved your life and I look at that and because I used to play sports and what I realize as a man now, because when I was in sports, probably the same age as you, like you're in your teens, you're in your 20s, right? Yeah. And I grew up without my mother or father and I got to know them later on in my life. And I look at it as a lot of those coaches Mm -hmm. like father figures to a lot of people right mm -hmm. and a lot of teams that i was on was like the family you know as soon as you got on the field as soon as you got on the court as soon as you got on the diamond these are people that you knew were going to try their best perform their best to protect you in a way right especially football like i didn't play football for long because more baseball was my thing but i okay. played football a little bit i was um cornerback you know i could jump high i could run fast so, you know oh, I could there we go. Do okay. all that stuff right yeah. and i was pretty good at chasing down people and tackling them but i wasn't the biggest guy but i was fast and mm -hmm. then i look at it and i was like there's some people that they wanted to be the best version of themselves for mm. a coach right? yes like if exactly. you ever, if you ever remember like take a look back and remember remember those locker room prep talks yep right imagine <laughs> like you had your coach you're sitting on the you're sitting there and he's telling you these stories and you're digging deep and you want to do it for the team mm -hmm. which is family you want to do it for the coach which is the dad and you have people that were so driven to make sure they didn't disappoint right because yeah. i look at it and i was like when someone maybe didn't play up to their potential you can see the disappointment in themselves but more mm. importantly you can see the disappointment they had in letting their team down was that something that you experienced when you were in sports oh so many times i you know the roller coaster i played for a lot of different types of coaches i played for the you know the younger the ah you know get them i played for the you know more of the older the more reserved and everyone in between it's funny that you say quarterback because ironically, it's almost like, you know, the movie Blindside. I was actually an offensive lineman when I was, you know, 280. So that right there kind of fits that description of what you're talking about of like, hey, if you mess up the guy in the backfield, the play's done, like the offensive lineman is kind of like the heart and soul of the offense when it comes to, you know, driving down the field and scoring. So, you know, there's definitely been a lot of times to where, especially in high school, you know, a lot of people call me crazy. Um, but I was just so like, that was such a big part of me that, you know, if we had a Friday night game and, you know, I didn't play well, it, you know, 11 o'clock at night, I'm, I'm opening up film and I'm watching it. Right. Because me, I, I say it so many times. I just, I wanted to be the best for myself, but at the time, like, I want to be the best for these guys. If there was something wrong where I saw something, if I was watching film, I was like, oh, I missed that block. And, you know, if I, what happens if I didn't miss this block and he's scoring or, you know, he's getting down the field, that's a first down. Though That was real stuff that like kept me up at night, right? <laughs> so it's <laughs> it's like a real thing. It's like, and I was 14, 15 years old, you know, losing sleep because, oh man, you know, play 158. I missed the block. I missed the down block on, you know, the nose guard and, you know, 
Jesus back here wasn't able to make that cut and, you know, go to the end zone, that could have been a potential touchdown, you know, that could have been six and we lost by four. That's stuff that, you know, makes a lot of people lose sleep at night. And a lot of people would call me crazy, but then I almost, it's funny because I flipped the script on them and I'm just like, how are you not in that position? Because no disrespect, I know such and such, you didn't, you know, you missed a play here or you dropped a catch here. How are you not feeling that way? So it, it's, it's exactly that, right? You want to, I think I wholeheartedly believe, and, you know, the more I talk to like business owners and entrepreneurs who are in the field of hiring, they always talk about how they always look for athletes because they have that competitive edge. In a way, I wanted to be the best version of myself because I had my goals and my vision set on something else. But it's like, you know, I have these, you know, group of people who helped me grow and who helped me develop and who've been been there for me every single day that I do want to, you know, make, I, I want to protect them. I want to make sure that, you know, we get this win for them at the end of the day. So exactly that, when stuff like that happens, then, you know, yeah, I just drive myself crazy over it. So you said you want to be the best version of yourself and you mentioned that you didn't have, you had a difficult upbringing. Mm-hmm. Like, is that the reason why you want to be the best version of yourself or is it that you always had that kind of determination to say that, you know what, Chris is on this level. I want to be Chris on this level, like a super Chris, right? Like, is that something that you were kind of born with or is it more so because of the situation you had as a child? I, I think it's a little bit of both, to be honest. Um I don't want, you know, my family, my loved ones, you know, or, you know, when I get to that point, the younger generation that I raise, you know, at first when I was, when I was younger, right, it was almost a moment of like impressionability because I saw a lot of successful people and it's like, oh, I want to be like this person or I want to be like this person. But, you know, not saying that I'm like super old and seasoned and wise or anything like that, but the more I continue to be around who people who I consider my mentors is also the moment where I'm also learning more about myself and what who I am and what I want to be. So it has kind of moved from that, oh, I want to be just like him because he has a Lambo and he has a nice house and you know he's got all the money in the world, blah, 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 to I know who I am, I know where I came from, I know where I want to go, where Chris Rabido wants to go. And I don't want anything to set me back or take me back to that place where I was because my whole philosophy too in life is like I want to you know they always the cliche saying is like you know you have leaders and you have followers right I kind of want to be in my own kind of lane if that makes sense I don't want to be in either or group I just want to do I want to create a whole nother way for not just you know fitness and you know these influencers and these personal trainers and people who want to be entrepreneurs in the fitness industry just for myself and to set a really good example if that kind of makes sense definitely so who's Chris and where does Chris want to go Oh man, he, you know, right now, I think he's in a place where he's looking, you know, a good 10, 20 years in the future um, in regards to what he wants to do with his family, you know, with his friends, with his career. You know, I definitely, you know, when it comes to the practicality stuff, I want to own my own gym, right? Uh, I want to have my own studio. I want to be successful. You know, part of the reason I'm in the fitness industry is because I've been in a lot of, I, I my biggest frustration today is how in America, a lot of the unhealthy habits, obesity, uh, and what those are caused by, such as, you know, fast food, is all super commercialized, right? I never have grown up and seen something in regards to, you know, a gym or just, you know, healthy habits and why it's important. None of that is commercialized. It's such a big 
big industry. I think right now that's kind of, you know, in a grand scheme of things, that's kind of my mission, uh, <laughs> which is why I always like to tell people I want to touch as many people as I can because I want that message to spread and just positivity as well. Um, where it is from a career side of things, you know, um, you know, continuing to be the best version I can for myself, uh, for my family, for my awesome girlfriend, um, just continue to the people who invested in me when I was a struggling little kid. And that's the beauty of it, right? Um, I was talking with someone else and I told them, we sometimes um, minimize or take for granted support systems. There's always gonna be the group of people that's gonna be like your number one fan, right? They're the ones who are waiting at the, at the finish line. They're the ones who are behind you saying, you know what, Chris, you got it. You know what, Twain, you can do this, right? Or they could be people that connect like you and I saying that, you know what? I like your message. I like what you're doing. Let's see if we can put it out there to help and inspire others. And I think looking back on my own journey, and maybe you have this as well. If I was in a situation, let's say in my late teens, and I had someone saying, train, you can do this, train, you can be better, train, you can push that weight, you can run that mile, you can mm -hmm. shoot that basketball, you can catch that touchdown. If I had someone that was there for me like that, I think we could be so much further on in life because it seems like we don't get mentors, we don't get the support system until we're about to hit that bottom mm -hmm. of our journey. And then we have no choice but to reach up grasp onto someone's hand and help them help us move forward. Is that something that like you were experiencing in your life? Yeah. When, you know, 1000% from a little kid now I've, you know, I like to say, you know, I've had my life's been like this for the past 19 years, right? I've had up, ups, you know, where I felt like I was on top of the world. Um, no, and I've been really down. And you know, you said something, I do agree with you. Like you have those people who are gonna lift you up, but then you have those people who are gonna be on the finish line. That kind of, you know, when I was in high school, that mindset and that positivity that I had, once I came back from college and you know, it's a lot harder to kind of have because when you find an industry that you're passionate about and you fall in love with, you're also, I, I've noticed this too, and it's a real thing and you gotta kind of learn how to maneuver it. Uh, and it's not to be pessimistic or anything, but you do have those people who, when you are at that low point, when you have that vision and you, you know, when you're low and you have that vision and you try to express that vision to other people, you do have those people who see your passion and what you're willing to do and who will lift you up for their own game. Um, I feel like I never really experienced that until I got into the fitness industry, which was, you know, really heartbreaking. I, there's a lot of great people I met, uh, especially working in quite a bit of gyms. Um, but there's also a lot of people who I looked at as mentors now um, and, you know, now they're no longer in my life because of just the way they moved and the way they tried to take advantage of certain things. So it's, you know, that self-awareness of just saying, hey, it's a lot harder to kind of keep that mindset. Um, be aware of who really has your best intention and who has, you know, you're, you know, they want to put you first, make sure you're happy, you're good versus the people who have their intention first and their, who are people who are trying to basically profit off you because it's a real thing. You know, America's very corporate. It's a business first world. So that's a real thing out there, but you got to be careful of who you're going to place on a pedestal. Exactly. So how did you take, because you're in the fitness industry now, right? And yeah. you were always active from sports mm -hmm. to, to fitness. And now you're helping people do that as well. So when you decided to join the fitness industry, training people, working at gyms and things of that nature. How did you take that passion for sports 
into fitness like how did you make that leap and how has it been impacting your life as well as those you come in contact with oh man um there there's a lot that there's a, quite a bit that goes into that i think starting off was i had no choice um i didn't have sports but i had working out right and i noticed that the more i was it was more of a self thing that started off right the more i wasn't working out the crazier i was becoming um in a sense because you know when i got back from college i had a lot of personal stuff that was going on with my family um that led to me uh going to therapy but then also some unhealthy coping mechanisms i started taking sleeping pills and actually overdosed um and i like to tell this story of the same day i overdosed was the same day i actually applied and got hired to start working at my first gym um so right there i think starting off was kind of like a surprise but it's like uh, I think that was the first time where it's like fate, right? I'm here for a reason. Uh, you know, there's a reason this opportunity was placed in front of me and I've continued for so long. Um, from there, telling my story was actually, you know, to the members and how I got here. Um, because the gym I was working at was very, you know, it was a small, very family, you know, corporate. It, it wasn't a corporate gym. It was the people first. That's the biggest thing, right? So the more I get to meet the people and tell my story, the more I see the impact that it had on a lot of people. Um, and the more I'm able to just be me, the more I was able to just kind of be me in that gym and just do my own thing and have my own personality. Like I didn't feel like I have to put on a face or a front or be like a fraud or act different towards these people. And to see the responses was probably the biggest thing where I was like, okay, this could really be a thing, right? Because growing up, I had the strength and conditioning coach who had his own studio, right? It was a little private gym uh, and I saw his impact, right? I never thought I could make that impact until I started as a receptionist at uh, Emerald City Athletics just over here in Everett. Um, and it wasn't until actually, you know, that real passion when I really flipped that switch. It wasn't until, you know, one day I was working out late at night and I met another trainer who, you know, was working at another gym. You know, his name was Devon. Shout out Devon. And um, talking to him and, you know, he was showing me some of his stuff and I showed him kind of what I was doing and what my vision was and my story his kind of passion, you know, he likes to call himself the creator of all things positive. I kind of took that. Um, the more I kind of hung around him, you know, it's again, it's the power of influence. The more I hung around people like Devon and seeing his impact on other people just through fit, you know, he was just a, you know, I like to say we're just personal trainers, right? We're just these dudes from Everett seeing the impact that he's had on so many people just as a trainer, as I was continuing to shadow him and continuing to have that same impact. And you know we have the same level of power is if we have this much influence it's time to use it for good right and i think the moment i knew that this was my calling was you know when going to work at the you know whatever gym i was working at at the time going to work was the same as like pre-game sit in the locker room you know good music the sun's out the vibe's always good that's when i think you know when i started to realize it was that same feeling and i started to think to myself you know this is really for me um, and this influence and this power that we have as individuals, as coaches, as personal trainers, we got to really use that for the good. And that's what helps, right? Like, and you did a great comparison of the, the pregame. Like, mm -hmm. you remember, for those who don't know, pregame is essentially when you are at your hypest moments. Yes. Right yes. before you, you know that feeling, yep. right? Where <laughs> you feel that you can lift cars, you feel you can climb right? a building. <laughs> You know, you, you feel that you can run 10 miles without even breaking a sweat. And Man, those are the moments that everyone's a challenge. And I will say to you that your journey, your mm -hmm. personal experience, that's what fuels you. Because you'll be surprised how many people will say that, you know what, I was in therapy 
I had um, substance abuse. I had mm -hmm. mental health issues. I had physical abuse. And they've taken that. Sure, there's people that experience it mm -hmm. and they're never the same, right? But yep. then there's people that can bounce back and it fuels every single thing that they do going forward. Look at you. Mm -hmm. You went from the situation that you had, mm -hmm. personal trauma, right? To sports, to fitness. Imagine someone coming to you now and saying, Chris, I look at you the same way you used to look at your coach in pregame. What would that mean to you? That, that means I think the mission is just getting started. I think um, my truest intention is just to impact others. You know, I'm not in this for the money, although we know we do got to pay bills at the end of the day. I'm not really in this for money. I'm okay right now. Um, I'm not in this for some type of, you know, you know, for followers. I'm not in this for some type of notoriety. Um, I've had to make sure that I stay true to myself in regards to, I want to make sure that when people see my videos, they hear that message, that that's what they think, right? And I think my biggest struggle, you know, kind of going back to fitness and its industry today, uh, I feel like so many trainers, and I've been in, I've put myself in positions too, where I've helped other trainers get to, you know, increase their business, increase their revenue, and just really make sure that they're in this, they're in this field for a reason. Um, making sure that everyone understands that at the end of the day, we are changing lives. I don't care where you start. I don't care their story. I don't care where they come from. Um, as long as they put the person and they put people first and no matter however they got to do that, then that's always important. So, you know, when people tell me that it, it is like fuel in a sense, right? It's like fuel in regards to, you know, the mission is just beginning, you know, really what we're out here trying to do, you know, we're just continuing to grow on it and we're not going to stop. Do you think that you'd be able to impact someone the same way you've been impacted in this industry? Um, my goal is to do that tenfold at the end of the day. You know, the people who have, you know, had an impact on me in a positive way because people, I've had so much people who are in my life who, who have made some impact, um, you know, but the people who are still around me and still in my circle today, my goal is to, you know, what they did for me to do to others tenfold and, you know, just really increase that through fitness at the end of the day, because that's another thing that sometimes people and trainers who are in this field don't realize is like, you're not like, yeah, you're, you know, you're changing physical health. You're helping improve your, you know, you're helping these people accomplish goals. But at the end of the day, this is a life changing experience for a lot of people. Like this is something that they will continue to do for the rest of their life. And, you know, 20, 30 years down the road, when some of these coaches are out of the fitness industry, they're retired, whatever the case may be, you're not going to be forgotten about. And you're like, that person is not going to forget the impact that you made. Wouldn't that be amazing that someone can look at you and say exactly what you're saying to me now. Mm -hmm. Imagine the next generation saying the same thing, but about you, about me, about whomever comes into their life. And I think that's probably the greatest joy you can accomplish because I look at it like I started this podcast, right? I started doing mm -hmm. this and it's been since September, you know, so it's been about three months and I've interviewed almost 50 people mm -hmm. and I'm looking at it and to hear the feedback to your point where someone is saying that, you know what, hearing the story of Chris mm -hmm. has given me the courage, has given me the strength, has given me the awareness to become better because if he can do it, I can do it. And I think that's the best feedback I can get because 
it's not easy out there and you know you know the industry right yeah right <laughs> you know? and you could be that person that's giving you know your version of that pre-game pep talk and you mm -hmm. can be that person that they sit back and they say i'm doing it for him the way mm -hmm. he bounced back from everything that he's going through i need to bounce back like that and when you compare it i guess that's all we can do because what someone did for you and i you and i have to do for the next generation so when you look at the fitness industry what kind of impact are you having today and what kind of impact do you see yourself having in the future oh man there a lot um i think right now you know kind of back to what i said earlier it's just like I don't want to just be in the crowd of fitness influencers who are on social media or all these personal trainers who um, are kind of diluted by the, you know, the commercialized, um, you know, industry of fitness and what it is today. You know, I always want to be remembered as like, hey, he did his own thing, right? Um, and, you know, I've talked to people who have been in the same situation who were in the same situation that I was in growing up. Um, you know, my biggest thing is like, hey, I, I was there. I was, you know, I was sleeping, you know, in down on bus roads at downtown Seattle at 3 a.m. I was sleeping in the rain. I had 86 cents to my name, you know, for a majority of, you know, when I was younger. Um, I, I, I didn't do anything crazy. I didn't do anything special. I just got around the right type of people. You know, I really found my purpose and I really was self-aware um, and tried to learn from people who had my best interest at heart and had other people's best interest at heart. So right now, I think kind of what, to, what you just said, my biggest thing is just making sure, you know, I'm able to reach people not only from a, you know, spread the message of positive health and, you know, good physicality and making sure that people understand why health is important. Because I think right now, especially with COVID, I think that's becoming more of a common sense kind of thing. But right now, just, you know, if you're not living life with that kind of mindset, I don't think you're doing it right. You know, if you're chasing a dollar amount, if you're chasing a lifestyle for yourself, I don't think that's really fair to the people who won, whether it's your parents, whoever invested into you, but to, you know, point B, it's not fair to the generation that's going to be coming after you. So I think in the future, how I see it is, you know, pretty much that same standpoint. I, you know, I don't want to change anything and, you know, my operation. I just want to continue to sharpen it. I never want to change my message. I just want to continue to sharpen it, making sure that whatever, however it's got to get across to as many people as it can, it will. And you're right. And this is a good way to do it, right? Like you're already doing it on the fitness level, mm -hmm. right? Because everyone that comes in contact with everyone that you've trained, everyone that you've helped, you're leaving your mark, you're leaving your impression on them. Exactly. Right. So for those that for those for those who don't know, mm -hmm. for those who may ask, like when you're training someone, yeah, take us through that. Like, how is that for you? Like when you're actually helping someone achieve their goals? You know, it's fun. Uh, <laughs> you you get a variety of different people. Um, you know, I will say that you get a variety of people. You get you know the people who you know are fun. You know, they want to do it. You know, they haven't been to the gym, um, but you know they're just really outgoing. They want to have fun. You have the people who, you know, they got a personal trainer, they hired a personal trainer because they don't know what they're doing. They're a little bit shy. They need someone to kind of lift themselves up, um, you know, and then my favorite group to work with uh, is, you know, you get some people who, you know, are a little bit less than happy they're there, but they're there because their doctor said they have to, you know, lose some weight or, you know, drop their blood pressure. You kind of get those variety of people. Um, and I think that's fun. And one of my biggest skill sets that I'm really proud of that to be able to develop and I'm continuing to try to grow on is being able to uh, 
uh, be a chameleon when it comes to working on all sorts of type of people. Um, you know, for me, you know, as much as I want to have fun, I want to make sure that like, I, like everything is, you know, boom, 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 nothing is missed, right? Um, because when I was really trying to learn and grow and shadow, I saw that there was a very wide gap of, you have the drill sergeants, and then you have the people who are really fun to work with, but maybe don't know what they're talking about, or you know, maybe they're not as focused or as serious. They just like to talk with people. Those are good. I wanted to kind of find that medium of, you know, I'll be up all night programming, you know, creating, you know, nutrition guides, creating meal plans, creating at-home workout programs. I'll spend countless hours doing that. Um, and when it comes to talking to people from all sorts of types, it's always so fun, especially, you know, month three, month four, once they get comfortable and they start seeing some changes, they start, everybody says they feel better before they notice they look better. That's the biggest thing. They feel happier, they feel more energized, they feel like they can do more for longer. Um, but my biggest thing is I just wanna, you know, make them comfortable. I just wanna make sure like, hey, if, whether you are someone who's very outgoing, someone who's, you know, doesn't really wanna be there to someone who's really, really shy, um, making sure one, that their ambition level is all the same, their accountability level is all the same, their discipline level is all the same. Um, making sure we're all at the same level to that you know, and just making them feel comfortable, making it fun, making it enjoyable. You know, when I was really trying to think about and, you know, create this, you know, Rabbit Fit brand, brand, I actually, you know, the acronym I came up when I was 15, 16 years old for fitness or fit was fun, intense training with fun being absolutely number one, because this is a huge experience, right? You know, and that's one of the biggest things is, you know, I want it to be educational. I want people to get some education from it, but if it's not fun, then there's no point because people do invest a good amount of money in this. So I want to make it a good experience. And you're right, because if it's something where you're dreading doing, you definitely don't want that, right? Right, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but if you can make it fun, to your point, like if you can make it interesting, if you can make it, I don't want to use the word event, but sometimes people say that, right? You're like, you know what? I'm going to go train with Chris today. I know it's going to be an event because it's going to come with the bells and whistles. Exactly, and right. Be, right, the greatest <laughs> time of my life. Yeah, but. You have to, I guess you're at the point where you've, you've figured out how to cater to the three types of people you mentioned, right? Like mm -hmm. the person that really wants to be there because they have a specific goal, the person who's kind of in the middle, you know, mm -hmm. they're there because of the doctor and the person who's there, they may not have a strong desire to, but they know it's going to be beneficial. And those are people who probably have to push the most, right? I guess my question is, how do you tailor your approach to all three? Because you're one person and you're one person who knows a lot. You're one person who's been through a lot. But when it comes to appealing to each group, mm -hmm. how does Chris do that? Um, you know, this is something that I really had to kind of sharpen and I'm still sharpening to this day. Um, and, you know, not to diss too much on corporate gyms, but the biggest struggle with trainers in corporate gyms is, hey, you do this, this is what you say, this is what you do. The struggle with that is that approach that I tried to kind of carry didn't work for everyone right now. So first things first, I always got to, you know, I always kind of read energy. Um, the more I've been in this field, the more I've been really good at that is, you know, I, I for a little bit, I took like a, a psychology class. So able to read body language, able to read uh, tonality, uh, eye contact, where your eyes going to see where your energy is uh, and match it. Because if I do come as, you know, hey, let's go rah, 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 Chris to someone who's a little bit shy, one, it's going to sound, you know, it's going to be too much of a show to where it's not personable and that's going to make them shut down. They're not going to want to come back again. So one, I have to make sure they understand that 
you're a human, I'm a human too, right? It's easier for the people who have a goal because you just kind of ride that energy a little bit. And then if there's days where they're a little bit down, you gotta pick that up. But for the other two groups, it's like, you wanna kind of match them in a sense, right? Because I always want people to know that, hey, you're human, I'm human. You know, just because, you know, maybe I have a little bit more education in this field doesn't mean I'm like higher or on a higher pedestal. Um, but, you know, just kind of expressing the fact that, hey, I'm here to help you. Um, you know, if you don't really know what you're looking for, let's take some time, let's brainstorm it. Just making sure that uh, point A is identified where we're at now, point B is identified of where we want to go, and then kind of fill in the gap, which is where I come in. And do you have that same approach with you? Like, because you've tailored it for other people. Mm -hmm. So how does that fit into what you want to do on a fitness level now? Uh, I feel like it always, you know, when it comes to my own personal um, fitness goals, my biggest thing, I, you know, I'm a power lifter right now, but all of those are kind of, you know, there's no really events going on right now. So right now my biggest thing is maintenance. And I always keep that same approach with like, Hey, you know, I know that for me, right. I have tight ankles and I have tight hips. I know when I squat that that's an issue. So, you know, I take 30 minutes before I squat to do some stretches, to do some corrective exercises. And then I do some, you know, self fast relief, get the foam roller out, making sure everything's rolled out afterwards. So I always, because again, my biggest thing is consistency. I always want to make sure that everything I do for my clients, I do for myself too. Um, one, because I love consistency, but two, if I were to go and talk about this lifestyle when it comes to physical health and then not follow through with it, I wouldn't sleep at night, right? Um, that's my biggest thing. Um, when it comes to just like an overall personal level, again, I like to make sure everything is as black and white as possible. It never, nothing ever starts out as black and white. Nothing is ever going to be strictly black and white, but I'm at point A, whether it is, you know, and I do the same thing, especially because I am in a way kind of like a life coach, right? So if somebody's going through something, whether it's a relationship, whether it's at work, you know, whether it's a student going through school stuff, then it's like, you know, we do the same process. Okay, we're here now. Where do you want to be, right? Let's really make it very clear. Let's visualize it. Let's create a plan to get there. So, you know, kind of to answer that question. Yeah, you know, yeah, I like to be very consistent um, in everything I do with my clients and with myself and whatever that may be. You shared a lot and, and you mentioned so much and I appreciate that, right? Because I'm getting to know you and we're sharing your journey, we're sharing your story. Mm -hmm. And it's one that's that's truly amazing, truly inspiring. And I look at it and as I analyze it, I have these thoughts in my head and I'm like, what legacy would Chris leave, right? Like if you had to stop for whatever reason, what you're doing right now, what legacy would you want to leave in the fitness industry and why? Um, And I think, you know, I feel like that question is funny because I've been asked it quite a bit and I think I never really thought even like, you know, when I was a little kid, that's always the question. Um, you know, it's just phrased differently when you're a kid It's like, what do you want to be when you grow up? Um, typically, the traditional answer is always a profession, right? I never really looked at it like that, especially as I, you know, got to be older and as I continue to be older. Um, I think the biggest thing for me that I want to, you know, if I'm, you know, in my casket and people are there and I'm like bird's eye view that, you know, living a normal life is so boring, right? I worked a desk job. I worked a nine to five. I, I, I personally can't do it. You know, respect to the people who can, I can't, right? Um, there's also a lot of risk of, you know, maybe venturing off and maybe not working a job, trying to do your own thing. There's a lot that rides on that 
But for me, I always kind of take pride in that. So I think the biggest thing that I want people to kind of take with Chris Rabideau is people say like, you know, the biggest, you know, phrase out there is like, you know, when someone tells someone to stay in their lane, right? I feel like the lanes that society, that there's, there is, and again, it's all kind of subjective, is kind of created for certain groups of people. You, you know, I want to kind of send a message to kind of create your own lane, right? Nobody else can be you except for you. That's that's a fact, right? You can generalize, you know, these certain groups of people by whatever, but at the end of the day, you know, Dr. Seuss said, what was that quote go, Dr. Seuss? Like, today you are you, that is truer than true. There's no one that can be you or than you. Something like that. I wish I had it. But, you know, I kind of want to be a role model for people who um, don't want to, you know, especially, you know, for my generation growing up, who maybe see their parents go to work and work the nine to five and come back and they're tired um, because a lot fails with that. So the people who aren't comfortable with that lifestyle and working a traditional job and, you know, not really doing what you want to do in life to kind of look at me and be like, oh, he came from this, you know, he, you know, didn't live the best life. You know, he had a lot of ups and downs. He had a great support system, but a lot of the stuff he went through, he was still able to kind of create his own thing. You know, that's really special. So I, you know, kind of want to leave that legacy for people of, hey, you know, at the end of the day, be you. Don't, you know, society, people can say whatever they want to say. They can put you in certain groups, um, but, Kind of that same question you asked me is like, hey, what legacy will you make at the end of the day? And you're right. And that's a question I think everyone should ask themselves, mm -hmm. right? Because no matter how much money we have, no matter what mm -hmm. we accomplish, once we're gone, we're gone, right? Exactly. And I live my life saying that I want to be remembered, mm -hmm. especially in a way that I want to help people. And I always try to do everything I've ever done. Um, always try to do it in a way that would benefit someone else. Obviously, yes, you want to make sure you do, you're taking care of it. You want to benefit yourself as well, right? Yeah, definitely. But what if you can ask myself this question, Train, you take a step back. If you were gone today, would everyone remember you positively? Of course, there's going to be people that don't like you and things like that. But you want to make yeah. sure that you've done some good, right? You've paid it forward. Exactly. And that's why hearing your answer, and that's how it should be. And that's why when I speak to people like you, when I do this, when I work the job I have outside of this, I'm like, you know what? I can go home, look myself in the mirror and say that, you know what? I've impacted one person. Mm -hmm. I've impacted two people, five people, 10, 15, whatever the, the number is, right? Mm -hmm. And you're right. There's too many times we get caught up in everything else. But if we can take a step back and say, I want to be me, because no mm -hmm. one else can be you, like you said. Um, let's be the best version of myself. And let's put that best version out there and see how many people it helps to become a better version of themselves. And, you know, kind of to that, too, I will add this. It impacting people is not having a super huge platform and doing crazy interviews with Oprah. You know, <laughs> it, it's nothing crazy like that. You know, it's, you know, saying, you know, saying hi to someone at the grocery store, holding the door open for someone in a public place. It's nothing crazy like that i mean sure maybe to you it seems small to anyone it seems small but you know that's an impact too and just continuing to build off that um you know no matter what you do as long as your intentions are 100 percent pure and you know just solid and just really to help other people that's it and it's funny too and i will say this um that you know that night i overdosed you know my heart stopped. the doctor told me my heart stopped twice and that was 
uh, the same question I asked myself was like, what would have happened if things went left, right? And it's funny because the day after I overdosed, Juice will pass away, right? Um, now, you know, <laughs> right now that's a big thing because, you know, I was 18 years old. Um, you know, my biggest thing at the time, which is, you know, I'm broke. How do I not be broke? Um, <laughs> um, I was doing, I was ruining a lot of relationships just to not be broke at the time. So uh, not even just financially, but just mentally doing whatever it takes to feel some sort of happiness. Um, but then Juice World died. Two days after I was in the hospital bed, I woke up to that. That for some reason was really the pivot point of just like, hey, you know, I had this whole day, you know, I thinking to myself, hey, I could have been gone. Waking up to that was just like, I'm not living the life I want to live right now. This is not me. This is not who I am. This is not what I was raised to be. Um, and this is like, if I, if I were older and I had kids, this is not what I want them to see. So that's the biggest thing for me, you know. A lot of people who I talk to who really understand that don't really understand that unless they face something like that. Does it still impact you to this day, that situation when you overdosed? In a positive way, 100%. Because, you know, I don't know, you know, not to be super religious, I don't know what others would want to call it, but very rare have I heard of someone's heart stopping twice and then them still being here. But, you know, for that to happen, easily someone could have snapped their fingers and I could have been gone, right? It would have been one year to the day. Um, so just knowing that and that not only being the thing of just like, wow, this is fate or this is crazy how things ended up of just, you know, this is what made my life turn out to be. That really happening was just like, man, you know, as I sit, you know, and I continue to do my thing, you know, obviously times are different now, but as I continue to do my thing, continue to try to really grow myself, you know, from a career and personal standpoint, it's like, wow, things could have really gone left, <laughs> you know? Um, so when I, you know, when I have a bad day, maybe it's a bad day at work or, you know, maybe it's just, yeah, even now, maybe it's just, you know, for me mentally, I've been really struggling with this whole COVID thing, no gyms, but it's like, hey, things could be, you know, things could be a lot worse for a lot of people, you know? And that's really been my message at the end of the day too. It's just like, look at, you know, what you have and be grateful, especially during the holiday season, you know, don't pay attention to commercials, you know, do not set any, don't set these unrealistic expectations you get from whatever you see on social media or on TV. Just, you know, look at what you have and just be grateful. Yeah. Because you survived because you're here for a reason. Right. And I'm mm -hmm. pretty sure you, you know that you're here because you still have, um, unfinished work and I know that a lot of people get that from a religious standpoint but yeah. I think that's true I think that you have a lot more to do and that's why you survived that night and that's why you're still here to tell to tell your story to share your story and help others with their story and their journey as well and that's that's we that's us that's not just me that's anybody that's anybody who's walking this earth right now you know I don't think you know humans are made to not to, to live just the average Joe kind of life, if that makes sense.